0: Alright, so we're going to get into the message this morning. And uh, all the way through the book of James so far, uh, James has really given us just absolute real practical stuff about trials and temptations and taming our tongue and not showing favoritism and, and um, how to close the gap and not have this jealousy and comparison thing between us and, and what wisdom really looks like. And there's been all these really practical aspects to the book of James, but he finishes um, the last part of James we're doing this morning, and he finishes not with something practical, but James actually finishes his book with something really, really, really spiritual. And and to me, it's kind of cool that James gives us all this practical stuff all the way through, but his final comments to us is something that is really Really, really spiritual, and it starts in in James five verse thirteen, and it says, "If anyone among you is in trouble, let them pray. If any one of you is in trouble, let them pray." And I and I know that we hear the word pray or. I'm actually talking about prayer this morning. As soon as you hear that sometimes in the Christian world, we go, okay, here we go again. I've tried prayer. It doesn't work. It's just a cliche Christian thing that we say when somebody's going through something. Hey, I'll pray for you or let's pray, but nothing really, really changes. And and I want you to understand that prayer actually changes everything, but maybe you've not experienced prayer that changes everything. Everything And so I want you to have fresh ears this morning to hear what James says, because five times in the rest of this passage, James mentions prayer. And I don't know about you, but you mentioned something once, and it's like, cool, mention it twice. And it's like, okay, mention it three times, and that's really important. Mention it five times, and James is trying to give us a piece of the puzzle that we've been missing And all of the practical information that he has given. If any of you among you is in trouble, let them pray. I don't know if you're in trouble or not, but let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. If anyone among you is sick, let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make a sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. You know, sometimes you can have all the practical wisdom in the world, but sometimes you just need God to insert himself into a situation. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And here's the thing is that we have learned some principles through the book of James that we can apply to our lives, and, and, and we should apply those things to our lives because we all want to get better at doing life. We all want to be better people, I would hope. And, and, and I can do some things based on the practical wisdom that James has given me, where I can do some things that controls my tongue a lot better. I can do some things which shows a lot more wisdom in the situation. I can build some principles in and around my life But sometimes we face things, and it doesn't matter how we attempt it, how we go about it, what we try, or how many times we try, it's simply not enough. And what James is saying, when you've tried everything else, sometimes you've got to understand that prayer is the only thing that you can do. My definition of prayer would be this, prayer is the difference between the best I can do and the best God can do. Are you with me today? Don't you sit there in silence. Talk to me. If you talk to me, I'll preach faster and we'll get this done sooner. How's that? So prayer to me is the difference between my best and God's best. Prayer is required. There are times where I'm simply not enough and I need God to move. And James is saying Right at the end of his book, he's saying, after all the practical advice I've given to you, if you are still having trouble, then pray. Start with prayer. Why? Because prayer, first point, prayer puts my unknown future in the hands of an all-knowing God. Prayer puts my unknown future into the hands of an all-knowing God. If anyone is among you in trouble, let them pray. You see, I would suggest this to you, that the problem is actually not the problem. I think the problem is that we don't know where the problem is taking us. I think that the problem we have a lot of times in life is not so much the problem, it's the uncertainty of the destination of the problem. Are you with me today? You have questions like, is this going to get worse? Is this going to get better? What is this going to look like? What's the outcome of this? If I, uh, uh, and, and it's the uncertainty that actually becomes the problem. It's the fear of the unknown of what is about to happen. And you know why? Because we've made certainty an idol. We've made certainty in our lives an idol. Yes, I'll step out in God if I know for sure that this is going to happen. We've made certainty the idol in our lives And God is not a God that's always going to give you the answer to everything. There's not always a certainty. In fact, you can't step out in faith with certainty because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. Faith is actually part of what is the unknown. If you have certainty, there's no faith. And so we've made an idol out of certainty because we fear of what could happen. We have a fear of the unknown in our lives. And if you're in trouble, here's the thing, God's probably not going to tell you how he's going to get you out of it. He's just working away in the background, and you have to trust that he's doing that. Are you listening? The problem for some of us is that we actually don't have the confidence that God is actually at work we're trying to find signs. We're trying to find clues. Oh, God's doing something. And sometimes God doesn't show you anything until it's happened. And then we have this amazing thing 10 years down the track called hindsight, where we can see what God was doing, but right in the middle of it, we can't see what he's doing. And what prayer does is it puts my unknown future into the hands of an all-knowing God, and I can trust him in that, because God is not pacing heaven right now going, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with Peter's life. What shall I do? How do I, how do I, Gabriel, you don't any ideas? Michael, you got any ideas? Has anybody got any ideas about what we can do for Peter? God doesn't pace heaven worrying about the things that we worry about. And, and I felt like God said to me this week, he said, I don't know what you're nervous about. I've got the whole world. In his hands, he's got the whole wide world. Come on, sing with me. In his hands, he's got the whole world. In his hands, he's got the. He's the God that holds the universe between his thumb and his forefinger. You can trust the all knowing God. Matthew, and this is why Jesus said this in in the book of Matthew. He said, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. In other words, he's saying, People that don't believe in God, that's what they run after. People that aren't followers of Christ, they run after those things, they run after the worries. And your heavenly father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. How many people know that's true? Each day has enough trouble of its own. Why would you borrow tomorrow's trouble today? And what he's saying is that when you understand that you can put your unknown future into the hands of an all-knowing God, you don't have to worry like people that don't follow Christ, worry about this, that, and the other thing, because your heavenly Father knows what you need. So seek his kingdom, and seek his righteousness first, and he'll add all that stuff to your world. We live in a world that's seeking all the stuff, and ignoring the kingdom and the righteousness, and they're not getting in it. They're not getting anywhere. It's like seek him first. And so I found myself lately because I want to apply to my life what I bring to you. And so I found myself lately, especially this week, is that when I think about a problem or I think about a circumstance, before I even start to think about it, I stop this week and I prayed, Father, you know what needs to happen here. I, I don't understand what's happening here. I, I feel nervous about it. I feel a little bit uncomfortable about it. I know that you're going to come through for me, but but I just don't really see it at the moment. And, and it would be really cool if you gave me a sign, but if you don't give me a sign, I'm okay with that too, but it'd be nice. You know, I'm praying about it, and i found that as I pray about stuff that comes to mind or a circumstance or situation that I'm worried about, that as I pray about it, a calm, comes over me. Why? Because it shifts the trouble that I'm going through from I've got this to God's got this. When I pray, it shifts the trouble from I've got this to God's got this. The all-knowing God has got this. And it's like, God, I, I don't know what you're doing. I don't understand what's going on. But, you know, I don't have to know Here's the thing, you don't have to know what's going on because my kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I just have to not necessarily have to know all the details. I just have to know that your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I believe today that you can leave here with a confidence in God that you've never had before, a confidence to believe that an all knowing God has got control of your unknown future. The second thing that prayer does is prayer puts my hopeless situation in the hands of an all-powerful God. Not only does it put my unknown future into the hands of an all-knowing God, but it puts my hopeless situation into the hands of an all-powerful God. Is there anyone among you sick? Then pray. Then pray. Anoint them with oil. The prayer of faith will make a sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. We have this all powerful God that is all about our hopeless situations. And, and, and I'm kind of dealing with a situation right now, if I'm honest with you, and I'm not going to tell you about it, but I feel completely hopeless about it. It's driving me nuts, it's driving me crazy. I, I can't see how God's going to come through. And maybe you have an issue with your health or maybe you have an issue in your marriage or maybe you have an issue in your family or maybe you have an issue in your finances where you just can't see what God's going to do. It feels like a hopeless situation and it's driving you nuts. Can I just encourage you this morning that nothing is too late for God that raises the dead? Nothing is too late for a God that raises the dead. Romans says this, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham what? He, is it up there? Come on, speak with me. Join with me this morning. We can do this. You can read the red words. It's really easy. Even when there was no hope, reason for hope, Abraham what? Abraham. Believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, you got to understand in this moment, Abraham's like, Hundred years old. It takes him all night to do what he used to do all night. Okay, that was a really good joke, and you a real bad response. <laughs> Sarah's stuff had shut up shop. No pregnancy here. Like it was barren, it was in a bad scenario. For God said to him, That's how many descendants you'll have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken even though at a hundred years of age he figured his body was as good as dead and so was Sarah's womb listen abraham what he never wavered in believing god's promise in fact his faith grew stronger and in his in this he brought glory to god he was fully convinced that God was able to do whatever He promises. Why? Because when there was no reason to hope, Abraham said, "I'm just going to keep on hoping. I'm just going to keep on trusting. I don't care what my body tells me. I don't care what Sarah's body tells her. I have a promise from God. He spoke to me. He promised me. I'm going to hold on to that. I'm going to keep hoping. I'm not going to give up because I'm fully convinced in the promises of God. I know that His yes is yes and His no is no. I know that He always comes through. I know." That his word doesn't return empty but it accomplishes everything it sets out to do, and so I'm not going to quit on an all powerful God no matter how hopeless my situation looks because I trust in him. I'm fully convinced that God can move in your situation, and if you don't have the faith for God to move in your situation this morning, then borrow some of mine because I believe God can move in your life because he's a miracle working God and I'm fully convinced that God is at work in your situation because he says it and I believe it. So don't give up, don't quit. Just like Brian said this morning, don't quit, don't give up, don't quit on on the promises of God. Have an unwavering faith in the promises of God. Prayer, first of all, puts our unknown future into the hands of an all-knowing God. Prayer puts our hopeless situation into the hands of an all-powerful God. And prayer puts my broken life into the hands of an all-forgiving God. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I have a question about this piece of scripture. If the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, and that's the kind of prayers that work, if those are the kind of prayers that God listens to, then my question is this, who's righteous? I have an answer for you. Nobody. Even the scripture says there is no one righteous. No, not one. How many feel encouraged this morning? (laughs) So what do we do if the kind of prayers that are answered and effective are the prayers of a righteous person? What do we do? Here's the cool thing. You can become righteous because a righteous person is simply this it's someone whose all their wrongs god has made right a righteous person is someone who gets all their wrongs right second corinthians says this how you ask in christ god put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so that we could be put right with god here's the cool thing you can be righteous because he will put all all your wrongs on him so that he could put all the rights on you. And that's only one prayer away for you today. It's the most important prayer that you can pray for your life. But if you step out of and you confess your sins and you ask him to be your Lord, he will take all of your wrongs off you and put all of his rights on you. And then the righteous prayer becomes effective for you and I. Thank God. That he not only knows my unknown future, but he can handle my impossible situations. But the best thing about God, as James says, when we come to him with our broken lives, he can make us right. And Romans says it this way, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In other words, God can make you righteous. And then your prayers can be Effective. And I love the fact that you've joined our church or maybe you're thinking about joining our church, but our goal is not to get you to join Revive. Our goal here is to get you to join Jesus because he's the one that may make all your wrongs right. God can make everything wrong in one heartfelt prayer right for you and for me. And God is an all-forgiving God. And there's no brokenness in your life that God can't make right. So James says right at the end, these three things, you've got to pray, prayer, spiritual thing, all this practical stuff is awesome. But if you're uncertain about your future, it's got to be put into the hands of an all-knowing God. If you have a hopeless situation, it's got to go into the hands of an all-powerful God. And if you're broken, it's got to go into the hands of an all-forgiving God. And then prayer becomes effective. And then he goes on and he uses an example of someone And he says this in verse 17, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. I like that James says this, because so often when we think about prayer and it working, we think it works for the Elijah's of our worlds. It doesn't work for me. It works for pastors, but it doesn't work for me. And James is saying, no, 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 Elijah was a human being, even as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. And what James is trying to teach us in this part here, as he starts to talk about Elijah, is that through the story of Elijah, not only is he teaching us, how to pray but he's teaching us how faith works with prayer he's he's showing us that prayer actually requires faith to make it work and so for us to understand that about Elijah it makes sense for us to look at the story and in 1 Kings seventeen one, it says now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe <laughs> I think it's funny who thinks it's funny What are you, I'm a Tishbite? Why, because I'm from Tishbe. And Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will will be never dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. (laughs) See, you have to understand that Elijah is saying here, this is the beginning of the three and a half years of no rain. And Elijah is saying to the king of Israel that it's not going to start again until I give the word. Now, we understand that God spoke to Elijah about prophesying the drought. And a little later on, you'll see that God spoke to Elijah to prophesy rain. He started to prophesy the drought. The drought, The rain didn't stop because Elijah said so. The rain stopped because Elijah had a word from God. He had a word. God had spoken to him that it would not rain. And so if we want to put faith to our prayers, the first thing we have to understand is that faith begins with a word. Faith begins with a word. You need a word to go with your prayer because faith begins with a word. How do you get a word? In the word. You get a word in the word. If you want your faith to grow, you need to get a word. And you get a word from God by being in God's word. You get a word from the word. That's how you get a word. That's how you get the word. So, my question to you is are you reading your Bible? Are you reading your Bible? Because if you're not, you're not going to have faith. And if you don't have faith, your prayers won't work. And if your prayers don't work, then it's all relying on you to make it happen. But if you don't want it to be all about you and all relying on you, then you're going to need God's help and you need to pray. But when you pray, you're going to need faith. And if you need faith, you're going to find it in God's Word, because that's where it begins, in the Word of God. So read your Bible, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Faith starts with a word. You can't pray in faith if you don't have a word from God. You've got to have a word from him. And when I find myself in desperate situations, the first thing I want to do is I want to get a word. I want to get a word from God and I want to get a word for it. So if I'm worried about my family, if I'm struggling about worrying about the kids, because I don't know about you, I got enough personal troubles of my own and then I have kids on top of that. But God gave me a word for my family early on because I don't know about you, but I worried about them as I started to come into the teenage years because of the pressures of society upon him. But God gave me a word. Joshua twenty four fifteen was that word. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. So every time I've been worried about it, every time I've been worried about which direction Madison or Seth may go and I'll say, no, 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 no. Joshua 24, 15 says, me and my family, we will serve the Lord. It's a word from God that when you pray it, faith gets attached to it. And then God's hand starts to move. Well, what about COVID and sickness and all that sort of stuff? How about Psalm 91 says this? This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust Him, for He will rescue you from every trap and protect you from every deadly disease. Oh, but what if I lose my job? My God shall supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory. You've got to get a word. If you don't have a word, what do you have to launch off? You've got to get in your word to get a word. Get a word for the season that you are in. Come on. I worry about the direction that we're going in as a country, especially with our current government. And we can have a discussion about that later if you really want to. But there's some crazy stuff coming in. But God gave me a word this week. Psalm 121 verses one to three. I look to the mountains and the beehive. Longing for God's help but then I realized that our true help and protection is only from the Lord, our creator who made the heavens and the earth. He will guard and guide me, never letting me stumble or fall. You've got to get a word. Faith attaches itself to word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then in Kings 18. It says, And Elijah said to Abraham, Go and eat and drink, for there is a sound of heavy rain. God speaks to Elijah and says, I'm going to let it rain again. There's a sound of heavy rain. You have to understand that this is a blue sky day. There's not a cloud in the sky. And in fact, when he said this, there were no clouds in the sky. Three and a half years have passed with no rain Not a cloud in the sky, but Elijah hears a word from God saying there's heavy rain coming. And so it goes on and says, so Ahab went off and eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. This is the posture that you and I sometimes need to take Instead of texting our friend or Facebooking with a passive-aggressive post about you're just over this, but not actually saying what it is that you're over, because actually what you're looking for is sympathy, not an answer. We need to get into a prayer posture. Heard a word of heavy rain and then he got himself into a place of prayer and on a blue sky day when you know there's not to be not meant to be any rain but because God told you he was going to do it you need to get yourself into a posture of prayer why because faith builds when we determine not to give up faith needs a word faith builds when we're determined not to give up I I know in my life and I'm sure it's probably not the same for you guys it's just probably me this morning but I give up way too quickly I quit I give up way too easily I felt like God was saying this one especially with that word that Brian had was don't quit don't give up don't you know You know, some of you here this morning, you're just so close to giving up. And I just feel like God's saying, don't give up. Hang in there. Don't quit. The story goes on and it says, go and look towards the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and he looked. There is nothing there. Elijah didn't turn around and go, I must have misheard from God. Must have been the pizza last night. Didn't say I haven't heard from God. Seven times Elijah said, "Go back." Didn't quit. Go back and look again. Go back and look again. There's still nothing. Oh, maybe, maybe I just misheard. Maybe I got that wrong. No, no, no. He got a word. Faith builds when we are determined because we're holding on to a word that started our faith. Go back. Go back. The seventh time the servant reported a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. It's not great news, but it's something. What we see, a cloud the size of a man's hand, which maybe has 10 drops in it. Elijah turns around and goes, that's the heavy rain I've been waiting for. And so he says, go tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Can you imagine what people are saying? There's a cloud the size of a hand. Man, you better get going before the rain stops. I want to tell you there's something that you and I can have and it's called endurance. It's called persistence. We, we, we need to become people that don't give up. We don't quit. We don't quit, we don't give up, we keep believing, we don't give up, it's a hopeless situation, it's a dead situation, but God resurrects the dead. We don't give up, we keep going. You want God to do a miracle, it means that you have to be in a position that a miracle is required. Come on, we don't give up. If you need an all-knowing God to be all-knowing, then it requires trusting him with your unknown future. If you've got a hopeless situation, it has to be hopeless for an all-powerful God to do something all-powerful. Come on, we, we don't quit, we don't give up, we hang in there. No matter what, Hebrews puts it this way. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a while, he who is coming will come and not delay. A crazy thing about God's coming and delays, it's not like yours and I's comings and delays. A day is like a thousand years to him. So don't get too hung up on that. And, but my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure, listen, in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed. But we are those who have faith and are saved. We don't belong to those that shrink back. We don't belong to those that quit. We don't belong to those that give up. We belong to those that persevere, that have persistence, that break through. Why? Because that's what faith is. Does it goes on in the story? It says, Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, the wind rose, the heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. And the power of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he tucked his coat up into his belt because he didn't want to trip over it, obviously. And he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Here's the problem I have with this. It's not physically possible for a man to run faster than a chariot. Pulled by horses. It's, it's not physically possible for a man to run faster than horses. It's not physically possible for rain to come on a blue sky day. But faith breaks through the natural into the supernatural. But, 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 but Craig, I'm telling you, this can't happen. Yes, with man, it can't happen. But as Jesus said, with man, everything is impossible. With, with God, nothing is impossible. Come on, all things are possible with God. I, I don't know what is wrong with you this morning. I'm trying to build your faith this morning. Understand that with man, there's no possibilities. But with God, all things are possible. There's no hopeless situation. There's no unknown future. He knows your end from your beginning, God is in control. He knows what he's doing, and what we've got to do is we've got to pray with a word in our hearts, not giving up, but with persistence, because the rain is coming, and then we can outrun the situation, because what is impossible for man is not impossible for God. And then James finishes as the band comes. With these two verses, after he builds our faith, after he says, hey, the prayer of faith, the prayer of a righteous person is effective, and, and, and you need a copy what well, Elijah does and get that word on the inside of you and stand on it and be determined, James kind of brings us back to reality in the last two verses. And he says this, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. What, what, what is James saying here? James is saying, hey, look, I hope your unknown future works out. I hope your impossible situation works out. But please, he's saying, don't lose sight of the fact that the goal of Christ is that everyone should be in heaven? Everyone should be saved. It's the will of God that all men, women, children will be saved and enter into eternal life with Him. And at the end of the day, what He's saying is if it God doesn't come through for you. If your possible situation doesn't work out, if your unknown future doesn't get clarified. Don't forget that the thing that's most important is eternal life for your family, for your friends, for your neighbors, for the people down the street. What really, really matters is seeing sinners turn to God. That's what really matters. I believe God can turn your impossible situation around. I believe that you can trust God with your unknown future. I believe that God can forgive all of your brokenness and make you righteous and whole again so that your, your prayers are effective. But let's not lose sight that in all of that, that's all for us. But James is saying don't lose sight that actually we're here for everybody else. We're here to see the sinner come to Christ. We're here to see a community transformed by the power and the love of Jesus Christ. Yes, we want God to move in our worlds. But if God moves in our world and we don't move in somebody else's world, then what's the point? Because if God moves in our world, it should become a testimony to those that aren't in His kingdom so that they would find Him and follow Him. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like my prayers aren't very effective, sometimes I don't feel like they're very faith filled. Sometimes I don't feel like my impossible situations are going anywhere. In fact, sometimes I think my impossible situations just got more impossible. But I know this when I get to heaven, whether God comes through for me or not, if I've followed Him no matter what's going on, and that's been a witness to those around me that has caused them to follow Him, and they're there with me in heaven, that's all that matters. It's all that matters. And this morning, as we sit in this room, some of you have impossible in possible situations. Some of you have a whole lot of fear about your unknown future. Some of you are broken and you need forgiveness and healing. I want to tell you, it's just, all those things are just a prayer away. They're just a prayer away. And you need to get a word. God, give me a word. Give me a word. In the front of my Bible, I've had for the last probably 24 years of my life. Every scripture that I could find on healing, because when Trinity was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, three years into our marriage, I thought we were going to lose her at one stage. I thought she was going to die at one stage. I put all these scriptures in the front of my Bible on healing, and every day when I read my Bible, I read those scriptures over Trinity. Oh, has she been healed? Well, according to doctors, she hasn't, but she has no symptoms. She's having no problems. And it's been like that for years and years and years. So I don't know, because I'm not a doctor, but I know this. She's not ended up in hospital. She's not having multiple operations. She's not displaying any of the symptoms of anybody else that I know that has Crohn's disease. She's eating things that the doctors say she shouldn't be able to eat. Come on. And I don't care whether a doctor says she's healed or not. I believe she's healed. Because she's not suffering. And we're just going to keep speaking those words over her life every day. Out of the front of my Bible, every day. By his stripes we're healed. By his stripes we're healed. I command her body on a regular basis while she's sleeping to come into line with God's word that says by his stripes we are healed. you just got to get a word and you just got to hold on to it and be determined and be persistent and not give up. Because word, faith jumps on word. And then persistent causes faith to grow. And when you get to that stage, the natural breaks out in the supernatural and you can have that for your life you can have that for your family if you would pray get a word and trust God and all of that, why don't we all close our eyes just for a moment I don't know everybody here and I certainly don't know what you are facing but I do know this in this building right now, there is an all-knowing, all-powerful, all-forgiving God. He's just waiting with open arms for you to put that request into his hands. And if you're here this morning and you're like, man, I, I got a hopeless situation, I need God to move Him." I'm really nervous about my future. I don't know what I need to trust God, the all knowing God with my future. Or or maybe you're here and you're like, man, I got some brokenness that I need an all forgiving God for. If if, if any of those things mean anything to you, and you're like, Craig, would you pray for me that I would put my trust and my hope, that I would pray, that I'd get a word from God, that I'd hold on to and not waver, that I'd be like Abraham when there's no reason to hope, I'm going to keep on hoping, trusting, because I'm fully convinced that God can come for you. Would you pray that I have that kind of prayer life, that I have that kind of faith in everything that I'm facing today? If that's you in this place while nobody's looking around, I just want you to put up your hand and when I see it, I'll put it down. Is there anybody like that today? Just put your hand up in this place. Anyone else today? Is like, Man,